Recording in progress. 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 You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Right Blue CFL Podcast. My name is Oz Davis. As always, I'm your co-host, and as always, our co-host is Winnington, Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan who demonstrated a lack of faith, which was disturbing going into last week's games, but now must be very happy. Joe Bridger. Joe, how are you feeling? How is that any different than like the last five years of this show? <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Also joining this week is Tim Capper, co-host of the CFL Podcast Network show Alouette's Flight Deck, as well as the host of the Sports History Network podcast, AFL Rewind. Tim, how are you this week on Pins and Needles for, for this week? Hey, you know what? I mean, it's been more, like everybody else, more than 500 days since the last CFL game. I'm stoked because I had to wait an extra week. <laughs> right. 527 days. <laughs> it's also been 520 days since we've been able to recap a CFL week. So I'd like to get right into it, especially since we're limited on time. Uh, I'll weigh in after these guys because I definitely have some thoughts on week one in general. But I'd like to go to you guys first. Overall impressions of week one, Joe? Overreactions, if you will? Are you sure it's been so long? Because it because the Winnipeg Hamilton result kind of kind of says that nothing's changed. Ooh, ooh! <laughs> I'm sorry, Hamilton fans. I just had to <laughs> talking some trash. He can after week one. Yeah, I guess. Yes. Yeah, I guess. I got, but I picked him last week, so I get to talk even more trash. Um, what about for the league in general, Joe? Did you see? Did, do you have any? overall feeling after week one i mean for so long even just in 2021 we've been wondering about how this long layoff about how a year and a half away from the game is going to affect these these teams this game planning the players themselves what do you think i still say we should probably give it about a month before we're really sure about who these teams are because there's going to be some anomalies out there uh We've seen a few this weekend for sure. Um, and we'll really get a better sense uh, as to who's coming together faster, slower than anybody else. Because we we were talking last week about week one's always a crapshoot. And then especially so this week uh, because of the long layoff, because of the lack of preseason, it's going to be chaos for about a month before we really start getting a sense of who these teams are. There's a couple of teams that I think are start are, are showing their true colors early, but I think it's too early to tell for a lot of teams. Some might suggest that that's all, you're only saying that because you went one and three in CFL pick them. Hey, I got one. <laughs> Some people didn't. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Right there, the headline on the official website CFL.ca is you know. I got all four wrong and my soul isn't crushed or something like this. What did you come away with Tim, from week one? Uh, by look to things from what we heard from, you know, the ratings on TSN being up 31%. I think, I think at one point, I think Chris, uh, I think Chris Cuthbert, it's not Chris Cuthbert. It's, um, anyway, it was mentioned that, you know, it was like 700,000 people total watched the, the first game crowd, you know, no matter which province the games were in, they seemed to be into it. Um, it makes me wonder because I'm trying to think back, you know, because the CFL pre uh, the CFL, the first game of the CFL season and the first week kind of did what the NFL did last year with no preseason at all. So I'm, I'm curious to see if scoring is going to go up, stay steady, go down, because I thought most of the games were played pretty well. Um, and there were some, some surprises. So, I mean, again, it is early. Um, I mean, besides, you know, the Alouettes haven't played yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you kind of fed me there. That That's a good segue, because if this week is any impression, well, that's an easy one. Scoring is going to be down this season. I think for me, what really struck me was just the lack of depth in the playbook for a lot of these teams. 
I mean, I was just going through these numbers again. And do you realize that aside from BC, which seemed to wake up in the second half because they got Michael Riley in the game, aside from them, there was one offensive touchdown between the other seven teams combined. You know, the only other touchdown at all was the pick six from Ottawa. And again, like none of these teams really came out on offense or defense looking sluggish. Hamilton defense wasn't very impressive and BC defense was not very impressive coming out of the gate either. But most of these teams did not have the rust in evidence. However, they did have, I think, that mental aspect missing. A lot of these batteries between quarterback and receivers are not on the same page yet. Uh, A lot of these quarterbacks cannot dig it deep enough. Harris, so I think he had 33 completions, right? 44 attempts. But that was most, that was more than in most games. (laughs) I feel like, you know, he was the only one that had a deep enough playbook. And I think that was because he was returning to the same coach. Uh, I'm hoping that this is one of the many things that bodes well for the Alouettes. Because the Alouettes are going to have some, not to make the show all about the Alouettes, but hey. Uh, not only the Alouettes are going to have something going into week two that no other team has, and that's game film on the opposition. You know, no, no other team had that going into week one. So you're not the only person who said that. I, I said that with my co-host of the Alouettes flight deck, Cliffy D last show, I said the exact same thing. They, you know, even though they are going to Edmonton, which they have historically not done well in, you know, uh, better than BC, but, Edmonton will not have any game film, none. And the Owls do have that, that slight advantage by having some game film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. they have one game, just like everybody else in week two, except Edmonton. Yay. So I was a bit concerned about that. And Joe had the comment, too, about how it's going to take a month for some of these teams to really show their true colors. Well, that's going to be too late for Calgary and Edmonton if you want to overreact to week one. Again, you got to keep in mind that these Western teams are playing the West for the last two thirds of the season, mostly. So these West teams that lost this week do not have an easy road ahead. But let's talk about some lack of offense here. <laughs> Winnipeg Blue Bombers 19, Hamilton Tiger Cats 6. I was talking with Joe before the show, and I commented that really to me, the only unit, the only, the only half of the CFL that looked good throughout was the Winnipeg defense. And if one thing, the long layoff reminded me that, God, it was great to see Adam Big Hill again, huh? <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> what are you expecting? Oh, yeah, it's great to see him again. Really, really was. He, he talk about a guy who was not showing rust in his big. He was right there from, from drive one, really, just making plays and just there. Uh, really, really great play by him uh, this week. I think I think it was kind of expected, though, don't you? I mean, I remember a lot of the talking heads saying prior to the season, and even went back to the, with the NFL, the defense is going to be a lot is going to be steps ahead of the offense right out of the gate, mm-hmm. and that's because that's you know they they haven't had chance to to jail and stuff like that. So I agree with you. The, I think the defenses for the next couple of weeks will have the upper hand. It's just depending on which team can continuously take advantage of the offensive. Uh, failures, errors to take advantage of it. So, well, I'm just wondering, dude, because this this was my question for Joe. It's Joe, what do you expect out of the Winnipeg offense in week two? Because in the first half, they looked great. I mean, in the first half, Zach Caleros was awesome. Yeah, and 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 I just got the feeling in the second half that. That Hamilton's defense had caught up and Hamilton's defense is going to be a pretty darn good unit too. Um, <clears throat> but there was also a little bit of lack of urgency too on the part of Winnipeg's offense, as far as having to score because they had the lead. Uh, they were able to run the ball a lot. They were able to sit on it a little bit, eat, eat some time here and knowing they could kick it back to Hamilton and their defense hadn't let up much for, over a half to over three quarters of the game by that, by the time we're starting to sit in the fourth quarter and it just started to feel like uh, a kicking game back and forth that, but for Winnipeg, that was a winning strategy at that point, because 
Hamilton wasn't showing any sort of spark. They weren't showing any sort of ability to penetrate Winnipeg's defense at that point. So Winnipeg is content later in the game to just go, okay, we can, we can go back and forth. We'll, we'll take our time. We'll be slow. We'll just, we'll, we'll run an NFL style slowdown game. And they were able to. Yeah. The defense was killing it. The defense was killing it for Winnipeg. I mean, Mazzoli started 10 of 13 and then he threw the pick and that was it for the Hamilton offense. Yep. And, and then also, and Brandon Banks took himself out of the game too. Once he got the, once he got the foul for tossing a ball at the Winnipeg uh, that hit the Winnipeg player, not that it looked like it was intentional, but it's one of those things that the, you don't put it in the official's hands to try to judge your intent at that point. But then once that happened, he disappeared. He was done. Well, yeah, but but he didn't, though, because he had two receptions every quarter. However, he did have the penalty in the third where he made a first down, but he drew the penalty. And then, of course, he ended the game with the fumble. Not literally, but basically took, that was, you know, that, that was, was the that, period. Yes. It's not the explanation <laughs> point on this game. So, geez, I mean, Bandit Banks, Banks was a net negative. I mean, he had eight catches, but he was a net negative. Now, Jim, I'll go to you on this. Here's Hamilton. Like we were joking about before the show, they're in the cellar in the East. But in all seriousness, this is ostensibly one of the harder parts of their schedule for them. I mean, if they have to go back into the East, even at one and two, and that's that's a pretty big hole for them, isn't it? Oh, it'll be, it'll be, I mean, everything everybody was talking that could this be the year that the East finally dominates the West when it comes to the standings and stuff like that. Too early to tell, <laughs> but I, I'm very surprised that considering the quarterback power that Hamilton has, that they didn't make a switch because look who they have at quarterback. You had two of their quarterbacks in the top 50, mm. which I think was a little excessive in my opinion. <laughs> uh, I'm sure <laughs> Ottawa did too. Um, considering they only had one player. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the big test, honestly, if they come out of it 0-2 and, and go into Montreal at 0-2 for the Owls home opener, for the first home game for the Alouettes in 656 days. Right. <laughs> the, the test, will, I think, we'll finally get to see what the entire league is like when they, once the Owls play in Edmonton. So, I mean, it's, I'm just surprised that they didn't do anything different in mm-hmm. Hamilton just to give him a spark. I mean, it's not like Saskatchewan who was up 31 nothing and then what did they do? They scored one more point for the rest John of the Ryan game. Ryan became their offense at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> okay, let's let's go right into that then. Saskatchewan Rough Riders 33 BC Lions 29. Gee, I'll channel my inner rod black here and go to the cliche tale of two halves, right? So, you know, the Riders win the first half 32 to 9. BC wins the second half 20 to one. And is it, wasn't that the first rouge of the year? Yes. Cause there wasn't one in the first, there wasn't one in the first game now. So the doc was finally happy. <laughs> well, he had to be thrilled with that. The writers put up one point in the whole second half. I mean, how CFL is that, right? How awesome is that? So I guess um, the questions I wanted to put out are how much of this game was about Nathan work starting? Why was Nathan Burke starting? And what happened to the Ryder defense in the second half? Tim, take a swing. First, I don't think there's any conspiracy about this. Everybody, I can understand everybody because of the new, how the CFL is trying to become very pro uh, betting, as we can see from the beginning, you know, from the pregame show and the lines and, and all the different prop bets and stuff like that. I don't, you know what? If, you know, if Riley couldn't go, he couldn't go. I don't think there would be any question because, come on, people keep keep forgetting that when Tom Brady was with the New England Patriots, every week he was listed as questionable. Every week. And I don't remember hearing the betters and everybody saying conspiracy, da-da-da-da. It's week one. You saw how bad Riley's arm was. He, You know what? I mean, he threw more more lame ducks than in the game Duck Hunter. (laughs) So, So... were you, were you there with the big gun, like shooting at the screen? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was waiting for the little dog to pop up. And go, and laugh at you, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but 
I think Saskatchewan <laughs> got complacent. And I think the one, I'll be honest with you, the one, two of the quarterbacks for BC for Riley and Rourke. I mean, Rourke came back in afterwards and, and they almost won this game. And, and it's, it, it's, it's sad to say that with, even though with history made, you know, the first Japanese player to have points ever in the CFL, mm. he was kind of what cost them the game. Mm. I mean, what did, what did he miss? Uh, an extra point and uh, two extra points. And then, no, he missed two field goals and an extra point. There's your margin of victory right there. Last week, I suggested, and, and, and Joe scoffed rather heartily, that, that the Riders might have the, the highest point-scoring offense in the league. And for the first half, I was thinking I was going to make Joe eat his words, but of course, they completely disappeared in the second half. Uh, did week one, did week one change your opinion on this at all, Joe? No, uh, that it's one of those things that seems there's a few team traits that seem to carry over from before to now. One of them is that the writers have a hard time playing 60 minutes. Uh, we saw that all of 2019 and we saw it again as the in 2021. It's just one of those things that you saw it in the great uh, cup for in some... 09 and you saw it in the great cup in 2010. <laughs> Now, I'm not. I'm also not going to argue that point. Um, but yeah, they they just they struggled. They 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 always seem to struggle. They look like world beaters in one half, and they look like they couldn't beat anybody in another portion of the game, even full half sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, it's one of those things that seem to be holding them back from maximizing their potential. And until they can at least restrain that somewhat and start playing more consistently even three quarters of a game they're going to continue to drive their fan base crazy i'm curious to know if steve you know stats guru steve daniel were to get a hold of this and look something up on teams that get up by 30 points what's Mm -hmm. the actual margin of victory at the end of the game Mm -hmm. i'm curious because the cfl as everybody knows anything can happen in the cfl no hashtag no 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 lead is safe right I was going to ask you, you're basically, your, your, your question is, your query, your scientific query is basically, is any lead safe? <laughs> what lead is safe in the CFL? And then you can figure out the threshold for, you know, at what point do you have a 1% chance to win? When you're down by 34? When you're down by 40? <laughs> like, I, I guess that would be the question. Right? What lead is safe? What lead? But I don't know. I don't know. For some reason, I just did not feel like the Lions were going to come back. I just, I did not. I felt like that lead was safe, and and I wondered if that's maybe what the Riders' defense was thinking. Well, let's see. Winnipeg. I'm sure they thought the exact same thing in 2019 versus the Alouettes. The Owls have blown many a lead. They've blown a 24 point lead in their history. They've blown a 23 point lead to Winnipeg in the fourth quarter. In the final, whatever it was, less than three. That minutes. was kind. Of, I guess twenty nineteen was kind of karmic retribution for that. Yeah, I was kind of happy. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, whether Vernon Adams should have been left in the game after his swing of the helmet or not, but still. Mm. Um, but mm. yeah, no lead. I don't know. It's a good question because remember that was what's the league record for coming back? Thirty. I don't know that one, Joe. Do you know that one? Not at the top of my head. Comeback, I, think huh? I think it's 20, 28. I think it's 28. Okay. I'm going to look that up. And, I, I think it's 28. I'm going to look that up and put an addendum on this show later when I mix it down. Okay. Here's your addendum. As far as I can tell, the biggest comeback in at least modern CFL history would appear to be the game in 1994 when the Winnipeg Blue Bombers came back from 27 points down against Hamilton at halftime, due in part to a 33-point third quarter. If somebody knows the real answer to this, if somebody knows the real record, please let us know. Who's right to do CFL podcast? And now back to the regular show. Right, so let's go on to probably the most shocking result in a lot of ways. And most shocking game in a lot of ways. Toronto Argonauts 23 at Calgary Stampeders 20. Uh, good game for Toronto. 
uh, looked really solid. Uh, I mentioned before to Joe, uh, ironically, this offense looked most on the same page of pretty much any offense in the CFL this week. And yet they only, you know, they bookended their touchdowns in the first and fourth quarter. Um, what were you most impressed with, Joe, with Toronto in this game? I was impressed with just how together they seemed as a team, given that this team had never played a game together before. They had so many ins and outs from the end of the 2019 season. You throw in 2020s offseason before everything changed. You throw in the 2021 offseason where they had another round of offseason before they had kicked, kicked the ball off. And you had a lot of players going this way, that way, and everywhere else, being with teams, never playing a game, going somewhere else. And Toronto was in the middle of all of that. They happened to hang on to a lot more veteran uh, veteran players than I thought they would, given that the, given the salary situation this year. And I think that really shone through uh, the veteran players knowing what they were doing, even though they hadn't done it with this group of people mm -hmm. and Ryan Dinwiddie hadn't been the guy in charge before. One of the things that kind of slipped through, slipped through me is that Dinwiddie came from Calgary's coaching staff. Well, of course he knows what he's doing. Um, Cause you don't get on that staff without knowing what you're doing. Um, but to be able to bring it all together in the first game is really, really impressive. And then to beat Calgary at their own game and taking advantage of Calgary's mistakes and killing them with them, that that was that's what really shocked me at the end of things. Yeah, that was another general impression I had of the week was that of all the players in the CFL, uh, the ones that looked the sharpest were the veterans on defense. You know, Sean Lemon made a couple of nice plays there in 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 Calgary. Uh, the Kanet, uh, of course, had an awesome game. Kanet, he had a great game. But in any case, I was just impressed with, with the way that the veterans on defense especially played. Uh, we'll get on to Calgary in a moment. There may be a lot to talk about there. But one thing that struck me, Tim, about this was, what was the deal with the special teams in Toronto? So the first kickoff reception was flubbed. Nearly turned into a fumble inside the red zone. Uh, they had a punt blocked. And Boris Beattie missed two field goals. Okay, so one of them was 58 yards, but the other one was 27. Um, what's, you know, even if Calgary turns the blocked punt into a touchdown rather than a field goal, this is a different game. I mean, <laughs> do you have any insight into the Argo special teams for me, Tim? No, the only thing is, uh, as much as I'd like Boris Betty, that's the Boris Betty that was a month ago. <laughs> so... You know what? Where you feel more confident when he's kicking a 54 yarder than a 27. Well, no, I, I think it all depends <laughs> on what. Yeah, but I mean, you also look at his history too. I don't remember. I, I'm, you know, kickers, we've seen this. Kickers will do this. And it's very possible that it's one of the things that they did not center on the most was their special teams. Yeah. I mean, who, who knows? I mean, I think really more or less. If, if everybody saw what everybody, you know, what, what they were talking about, Bo Levi gave Toronto the, the best bit of oh. a bulletin board material they ever needed. Yeah. You know, so, and it was, he, he, they were ripe to lose because he'd never lost to them in the regular season. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Bo Levi had a, he was outperformed by uh, Macbeth. So, but it also makes you wonder if, if he, you know, if he had not started, Macbeth had not started, how would this game have gone? I mean, we could easily, you know, be, you know, going to revisionist history and see maybe what, what could have happened if, you know, uh, I don't know. But I mean, you know what? Did we chuck this up to a preseason game, like you were saying before? I mean, e if it could easily be, this is rust, still got things to get done. This is their first hitting. Toronto fans don't think have anything to worry about, but still. But look, Jim, on paper, if this team realizes their potential, this is one of the better, you know, Argonauts teams we've seen in 10 years. But right? do you I mean, bet for a team that's on paper? 
Really? Well, no, but that's the thing. Okay, I'll go back to Joe. <laughs> Joe, how much of this performance convinced you that this team that they've put together like a jigsaw is actually going to be something? I was pretty impressed. Yeah, uh, it, it's hard to say with just one week, but that was a lot more of a cohesive effort than I of course. Mm-hmm. put out at any point this year. Yeah. Now, whether whether they have the talent or not to like challenge Hamilton is still, it's too early to say, but it it it, it makes me feel if I were an Argo fan, I'd be going, that'll play. We've got some, we got something cooking here. We've got a chance this year. Now, now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Joe, challenge Hamilton. Don't you mean challenge Montreal? Tim, help me yeah, out here. That too. Okay. Sure, sure, sure. but make a play, make a play in the East. Have, have, you know, have the playoffs in in your sights. That's something a Toronto fan can feel can feel a little bit better about this week than they might have last. It is very possible we may have a crossover for the very first time (laughs) from from East to West. There is something to shoot. There is something to shoot because because if the West is horrid. And it's only 14 games, so there's not those extra four games that they're able to, to, you know, so. Ottawa versus Saskatchewan in the Western, you know, playoff game. That would be amazing. (laughs) That would be awesome. (laughs) If there's one team from the East that crosses over, if there's one franchise that ever does it, it's going to be Ottawa. I have no doubt about that. They've been the oddball since they formed that team as. Uh, yeah, they would they they would find that, wouldn't they? Where they they would find they would just find that niche and go. That's and the go thing that to think way. about with fourteen games. In your opinion, guys, what would the record have to be for a team to cross over? That's the question. I would say seven and seven is going to get you crossed over. Really? I would think, I would think really? this is what I I predicted that no team in the West was going to have more than it was going to have more than nine wins. Wow. No team. Wow. And, and that's, that's a fair assessment, especially it, if they spend the, if they spend the last two months of the season, kicking the crap out of yeah, each other, yeah. that's definitely. In so play. if that's the case, is it possible for a team? If no, so if no team is more than nine, could you actually have a six and eight team crossover? I think it's very possible. Five wins. Pushing it, I think. But see, but see, I think by the same token, way. what you would really need, Tim, is you would need a couple of teams in the West to be really bad. I don't right. think. I don't think you'd have to have a couple of two or three win teams. Yeah, and and that would necessitate a couple of twelve win teams or eleven or ten. If no team wins more than nine, think about what the records could be in the West. Well, okay, let's be real simple: nine, eight, seven, six, five. Plus, yeah. Right. Possibly. Okay. So I mean, if, five, if, six, if we do the seven. math, right. So, so yeah, you'd have to go eight. You'd have to go seven and seven and get a tie. And I think it depends on, again, how well the, I think what may come down to it is how well the, uh, how well the West would do in the East. Yeah. Because yep. there's two less games this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if the East teams get their stuff together early, mm-hmm. Win all, win a bunch of these away games the first month of the season, mm-hmm. and then hold serve at home. Yep. I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's likely, but I'm saying it's on, it's on the table, especially when Ottawa, Toronto, and Ottawa have started with wins. Mm-hmm. Edmonton and Calgary have started with losses. It's on the table. I want to know so. where the prop bet for that was. What's what what what's the record for the team that's going to cross over? Yeah, That'd oh, be great how many wins? Oh my god, yeah, that would be a nice prop bet. And just getting an eastern team to cross over has got to be like honor to one in most seasons. More based on the history, you know, it's more, but sports books rarely offer more than 101. And you're talking, especially in the CFL, if you're talking about something like the, the, the NFL, yeah, you know, Lions are like 501, yeah, sure, but in. In the CFL, the odds are crazy low. It's the Owls to go to the Grey Cup were 10 to 1, right? Yeah, yeah. See, like I that. think it was 10 to 1. They were yeah. plus 100, so that equates to, to 10 to 1, I think. No, plus 1,000 is 10 to 1. 
plus a thousand. Uh, sorry, so they, yes, yes, so they were plus, they were plus a thousand. So they were plus a thousand. Sure. Yeah. Now the variables on the Grey Cup really vary because I saw the Eskimos getting ten to one at one place, and then they were getting seven to one, and then they were getting twenty to one in another place. But because there's so few teams, and as we know, the CFL is so unpredictable, uh, even like the the longest shot is only going to get twenty, thirty to one. Mm-hmm. And that's at a good sports book. So they keep those odds real low because you can get burned. You can get burned. If Saskatchewan goes off at 20 to 1, there's enough fans of the riders that will bet them. And if they win, the book is going to pay. <laughs> so they can't make those odds too high on the CFL teams. I mean, imagine how much they paid out that your Ottawa won the breakup. Uh, they paid out big debt, sure. Uh, right. Okay, so how about Ottawa Red Black 16, Edmonton Elks, the new Edmonton Elks, 12. No offensive teams. <laughs> but this one I like to think was down to the good defenses. Uh, like I said before, Abdul Kana was a beast, uh, had that 105-yard pick six, 106, something like that. 102. Uh, 102. Sorry. Trevor Harris, who won the uh, fantasy football matchup for Joe, had a typical Trevor Harris line. I mean, it looked like 2018 Ottawa all over again. 33 of 44 for 333 yards, three picks, no TDs, and his team loses. Um, I'm just going to ask it this way. Which of these offenses are you more concerned about going forward? Uh, Joe? Edmonton at least moves the ball. They have trouble inside the 20. Uh-huh. And they and that's been something that's been a Trevor Harris issue for a long, long time. But at least they moved the ball. They got their they got in range to do something. If they got if they had a little bit more luck once in a while, you know, maybe not a receiver tossing the ball straight up uh, to set up the final pick six mm-hmm. trying to catch the ball <laughs> if they had a little bit more luck that there's something there but with ottawa it the total yardage was minuscule they this is the type of game that if they played this exact game in these conditions like 10 times edmonton's winning nine out of 10 times wow and ottawa got ottawa got every lucky break they needed to just to be able to sneak across the finish line, but they didn't do it on their own power. They caught they had to catch a ton of breaks to make this happen. So I thought I would have thought that with uh, Matt Nichols knowing the Paulopoli system, there would have been at least a little bit of um, a little bit more production going. I mean, this this is the same Matt Nichols that uh, was that was able to help Winnipeg come out of the doldrums, pick the, help pick them up and get them moving in the right direction. He wasn't a game breaker. He never had to throw the 50-yard bombs every game to make big plays, but I thought they would at least start picking up a few first downs here and there, uh, controlling the ball for some time, and that just didn't happen at all. I'm going to push back on one element of what you said just a little bit because yeah, I mean, I've been a Trevor Harris attractor for a long time, but look at his coach. I mean, how much of this inability to punch it in in the red zone can we put on Elizondo? How much can we put on the coach? I mean, you know, there was all these jokes in the offseason about how the how the Elks are now the Red Blacks West. Well, <laughs> that was the team that for the last two seasons of the CFL couldn't punch it in in the red zone. You know, I mean, like, you know, so so you wonder. I mean, I mean, I really think the Elks could be in for a long season if Harris Harris is some more. Um, and, and the counterpoint to that, though, is Elizondo was nowhere to be found in 2019. So how does that explain that? Okay. Yeah, fair. <laughs> enough. And technically, the Elks the Elks were on their second head coach in less you know in less than two seasons. Yeah, less than one and less than one season. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Tim, what about you? Uh, are you concerned for Ottawa offense, Edmonton offense, neither both? Just seeing, I, I think this stat came out. I think, you know, Nichols only threw for 71 yards first time since, was it 90, 
four that a team had won with that few yards. You know, this yeah, like 92, and that game was played in like a wind tunnel. Yeah. Um <laughs> This was this wasn't the the Harris that played against Montreal in the Eastern semifinal in 2019, who just destroyed oh, us. God. Flashback, um, flashback. Don't do Matt that Nichols, me, Matt Nichols was with another, you know, another team. Uh, it, it's early, guys. I, I think that we'll see if Edmonton rebounds this week and how they rebound versus a team that they, they don't have any tape on. Because that that will be a bit that will be the I think the test of the season for Edmonton. If they can improve, you know, Harris stays the same, you know, 333 yards, but doesn't throw three picks. I don't know. But you know, Ottawa is currently what we're thinking Ottawa was going to be. They they just need to start start, I think, impressing people across the league. Does this win do it? No, in my opinion, it doesn't. You know, they are still the team, I think, that they're supposed to be predicted to be last in the CFL East. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too. They bought, they bought themselves a little bit of time, though, to get things together with sneaking a win away. Oh, of course. But not too much because they're going to have to. I think they're going to have to grab two or three wins real early, kind of like they did in 2019. And then tread water the rest of the way if they want to if they want to look at a playoff shot. But uh, getting out of there with a win was at least the step in the right direction for that. Even if they didn't, even if it didn't seem like the offense earned it, <laughs> put it that way. No, it didn't. Harris, Harris, Harris. Well, we can't really blame on Harris because he was he wasn't the one that juggled the ball for the for the pick six. So, but no. Next week's game, week two game. So this is the first time in 520 days we've been able to talk about week two. Here we go. The CFL official website, CFL.ca, is now kind enough to post the point spreads and the over-unders, which I love to talk about. I love really. To- oh, yeah. I wow. love to put the game. Well, I love to put the games in this context because they're it's- all in. It's more challenging than just picking the, 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 the winners of these games. I, I say to myself, who goes 500 every year at best in CFL pick them, but that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about BC Lions. Half a point underdogs. This makes no sense. At Calgary. Wow. How the mighty have fallen. Calgary just half a point favorite at home in week two. Now, people seem to forget that Calgary usually gets off to a slow start in the past season in the past eight seasons, I should say in six of those games, they've lost in six of those years, they've lost a game in the first three weeks In seven of those years, they've lost a game in the first four weeks. Okay. In a couple of those years, they tied a game in the first three weeks. Okay. Calgary gets off to a slow start this year, the 14 week season. That's a little more dangerous, but we shouldn't be that surprised that they lose this early on. My question is, will this be the first time in eight years that they lose two games in the first three or four weeks? Uh, what are you looking for in this game, Tim? I think really right now, the quarterback, it's too much of a variable. I think that's why that why it should I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the game goes to a pick 'em by the time they kick off. Wow, really? I wouldn't be surprised I would, because you know everybody was saying if they knew that Riley wasn't going to play last week, the game they're saying, oh, the game would have been 14 or 21 points in favor of Calgary. Wow. I, I, it is too, it's too much of a variable, which is usually done, if I remember correctly. I'm not that savvy on betting, but I think when there was a major injury, they hold off putting a, a line on the game. Yeah. Just for betters. So yeah. I think this is probably their way of saying, you know, this this is this is preseason regular season game number two, <laughs> right? So right, they're they're basically making this a pickup. Joe, how do you like this game? What are you looking for in this game? I think BC's got more to be concerned about than just this week. There was a couple of things in that whole scenario that played out last week with Riley not starting and then coming back in the second half. Uh, it didn't seem like even the head coach knew what was going on from time to time because <laughs> at the end, because at halftime, 
uh, Rick Campbell was doing a halftime interview and said, yeah, Riley's not going to play. And then literally within the next minute, he's showing up on the field. So after he had said, yeah, no, he's not going to play. He's definitely out. Well, then there he goes. Mm -hmm. So uh, you can either mark that down to camp Campbell and Riley having, this is the first game they were together. Maybe they, maybe they were, there were some communications issues there potentially, or you could, or you could look deep or you could take the other thought there and going, who's running this team. I, I I'm a little bit more to the former. It's the first time they'd, worked with each other on that front so i'll give them the benefit of the doubt but the other huge thing is that riley has an arm injury and if he the more he uses it the more likely it is that it's not going to get any better and when you're when you have a quarterback of that caliber dealing with an arm injury this early that doesn't say good things about how the season's likely to turn out for you yeah i wasn't blown away enough I wasn't blown away enough by Rook to to get off the horse on this one either. So literally, in this case, so I'm not getting off the horse. So, right, I'll... and Brook is showing shown a few things that may that'll make you go, hmm, maybe he can be a maybe he can be a CFL caliber quarterback. But it, it whether or not he has his second career start this week or not, I I just don't see them overcoming a Calgary team that's probably going okay. What the heck happened in week one, and how do we keep that from happening? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Can we redo that fourth quarter? That's what they're thinking of. Uh, all right. Game two. <laughs> Another crazy line here, but I'm going to make Joe wait on this one. Toronto Argonauts, eight-point underdogs at Winnipeg. Jeez, I thought they'd at least be getting their six and a half here. Eight points. That's a lot. See, that's why I like these point spreads. Okay, Tim, how about this? Can Toronto keep it to within a touchdown at Winnipeg? I, I think they would have to basically do what they did last week. Mm-hmm. I think that's really the, they, what they really need to, to concentrate on is because, as we saw, are the week one games going to be flukes? Or are they basing it on what Winnipeg, you know, the point spread is it based on what Winnipeg did? Because Winnipeg did look good. Yeah, they look really good. So, as I said, if, if McLeod Bethel Thompson does what he does, hey, it could easily be close. I don't think I, I think they'll score more than six points. <laughs> but I mean, it's what's the what's the over under? The over under on this game is forty five and a half, which would mean they're looking at a game of about twenty seven to nineteen. Yeah. Okay. Twenty seven to nineteen. With put it at half a point. So, I, I don't know. I kind of think Toronto scores more than that. I kind of think their offense looked good. Joe, uh, where are you on this? Can, can Toronto keep it close? I think keep it close, but I think you want to take the under this week. Take the under. Okay. Um, I do think Winnipeg's defense is for real. Yeah. Uh, they have a few playmakers on that side of the ball that were making plays last week already. So, they're in they're maybe not at a fully tuned machine, but they're at least starting in the right direction. Uh, I don't think Winnipeg's offense is going to blow anybody's doors off, but they are the type of team that can maintain control of a game. Mm-hmm. And that's the way they've been the last three, four or five years is as long as they don't fall behind and have to play catch up, they're going to, they're going to keep, keep control of the ball. They're going to move it. Uh, they're going to make you stop them. And then they're going to, hopefully, the one little quibble I have about Winnipeg's offensive performance, honestly, is some of the decision-making they made with field goals, but they were probably a little bit worried about returns more so, but they passed up a few longer field goal attempts that they never would have passed up with Justin Medlock around. Uh, But as long as they can establish that their special teams can score some points, they're going to be really tough to beat. Uh, I do think it's close. I do think it's low scoring, but I think Winnipeg is in control for the most part. Okay. I like that. I like that analysis. Great. I'll take Toronto plus the points, but Winnipeg to win, maybe about 21-16. It seems reasonable. I don't think – I think Toronto's good for more than like six or nine points. (laughs) I'd like to see some more offensive touchdowns in general this week. 
All right. Now the moment we've all been waiting for, at least all of those of you who have great taste. Montreal, only one and a half point underdogs at Edmonton. That That's con- changed. That confidence in, yeah, it has. That confidence. It was three and a half, I think. I, I know. I know. Oh, I'm loving it. Loving this. Respect from the sportsbook for Montreal, or maybe disrespect for Edmonton. Um, this is the moment we've been waiting for, as I said, specifically by we, I mean, Tim and I. Tim, can you give us a, a brief, um, I don't know how I could put it, a brief synopsis on how well you think Montreal is going to do this season? I, I said, they, I think they will be second in the East. Um, like every other team they've had that they, they, they were turnover. Everybody had players who retired even though they ended up on other teams after the season said they were going to play. <laughs> I think because Montreal really was able to keep their core intact, especially on offense. And coaching. Um, and, oh, yeah, and coaching. Um, you know, lost some, made some, some on defense, but they ended up coming back again in free agency for the one COVID year that uh, nobody played. But I think – Without seeing them in preseason, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm just trying to be a, a, a an optimistic Owls fan. I need to see the. I need to see at least one game. I really, really do. I still think they'll be second in the East, but I just with no preseason games, not being able to go to training camp like some like you, some of you guys were. I, I'm optimistic. If, as long as obviously. It, goes to uh to vernon adams everybody's saying oh what about vernon adams is sophomore you know will he have mm-hmm. a sophomore slump blah blah did people forget that cody Fajardo technically is only in his second year starting nobody said that about cody Fajardo. Well, god forbid we piss off the people in <laughs> riderville hey that's my job <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for Joe to bait at that sophomore slump stuff. I don't think I don't think that no no I don't no. think that everybody was giving Fajardo a fair shake. Um there was that stuff in the preseason where he was proclaiming that he didn't want to be a flash fan. So somebody must have told him that. He must have heard that from someone. So I, I, me personally, I'm I was not hundred percent sold on Cody Fajardo last year. I mean, you you he was you're just a flash in the pan for the second half last week. Well, there you go. I mean, you know, he, I mean, you've been an Alouettes fan, you know, since 13th, man. You've seen what's happened at quarterback in Montreal. This happens all the time. Dudes come in, have a couple good games, and we're like, okay, yeah, he's the next guy. You know, great. Rakeem Kata. <laughs> oh, my God. Exhibit A, right? But, you know. Jonathan and, Crompton. Jonathan Crompton actually was a pretty oh, good Oh, Crompton. Player. Yeah, that's another like good Crompton. example. Yeah, well, I sure didn't. Um, in any case, but this is, I mean, for a Montreal fan, given the limitations of, you know, the post-COVID season, 2021, if you got to play a team away from the West, this is the team you want to play, right? I mean, you don't want to go to BC, right? You don't want to have to play Winnipeg or Calgary, Calgary who needs to win, basically. Winnipeg who looks great. I mean, you don't want to have to play Saskatchewan, right? I mean, this is the team you want, right? Eastern teams have a hell of a time out West, no matter what, in the history. Mm -hmm. So I I think, again, just just because we're – Edmonton is the – you know, we could have said that and we could have played – we could play the team in the East. I think we – I don't think it really is any particular team that the Owls want, as long as they just wanted to play. As I said, history out west is is horrid, and as we saw, well, look what Ottawa did. Yep. You know, yep. look what Toronto did. Yeah, it's underestimated, and I don't think the I don't think Coach Kahari will allow them to underestimate who they play. They just have, they just have it up this week. Mm-hmm. You know, they have game film. The Elks do not. Yep. So. Yep. And nobody did last week on anybody. Um, what's uh, okay? So pick it. What do you like in this game? Well, I want the Owls to win, obviously. <laughs> uh, 
I, I think I, I think they need to get off on the right track. I think they need. I, I, it will be interesting to see because we, as we saw this week, last week, there were a lot of first drive touchdowns. A lot of first drive touchdowns. It didn't necessarily mean you were going to win the game. But I'm curious to see how well they gel with Stanback back in the backfield. Yeah, you, still, you, still, you, you got BJ Cunningham back. Uh, you know from him his injury. You got Geno Lewis. You got uh, Rayshon Simonai as a guy who really surprised everybody in camp and became the Canadian mm. really to start. Um, and, and to me, the question would be the defense. But, I mean, you got Greg Reed, dude. Greg Reed can ball. I love that dude. Um, I think, I, as I said, I, I try not to – I hope they win. I think everything has to go right in order from the win. Yes, I'm giving a I'm giving a politician's answer here. I want them to win, obviously. Wow. Okay. No score. No score. But I and I'm not gonna, I'm not going to give a score. But I I think they will win. I think they okay. will win. But the question Great. again, there are variables. They haven't played. Yeah. Well, Edmonton has barely played offense. Right. So, okay, Joe, uh, what are you looking for in this game? Uh, as Vernon Adams goes, so do the Owls. Uh, I do think that it's an interesting dynamic between uh, between him and Harris at the, at the quarterback position because Harris is consistent inside the twenties. Adams can give you everything or nothing, uh, and sometimes both at the same time, <laughs> where he has a rough, rough portion of the game and then just explodes on you. The Calgary and Winnipeg both know that pretty well. Uh, I think especially without game game film for Edmonton to take a look at, see what has transpired, transpired in his game over the past couple of years while we're waiting around, I could see him having a quarter or two where he's just touchdown, touchdown left, touchdown right, touchdown center. And with Edmonton's propensity to not take advantage of their opportunities, I could see Montreal taking this one. Excellent. Boy, I like that. There, there you go. Awesome prediction there. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna be frivolous here. I would say, Jesus, if Montreal is now a one-and-a-half point underdog, you take the money line. If you believe in Montreal, just bet them to win um, at that point. And I think they're going to win. I think Vernon Adams is going to have the best game of any quarterback in the first game. I think he's going to be responsible for four touchdowns. I think that's three passing and one running, maybe. But he'll, he'll account for four touchdowns. I, I think Adams is going to have a great week. I think the extra week is going to help. I think the having the film is going to help the defense. And I just, again, <laughs> until, until Edmonton punches it in, I am going to choose to believe they can't score a touchdown. I yep. find it interesting, too, that the Owls game is the highest over-under. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they are looking for them to score a lot of points, 48 and a half, 48 and a half. So at one and a half points, that's like 26, 24, 25, 23, thereabouts. Yeah, 25, 23, which is kind of a weird. Yeah, this, remember, this is the first time Vernon Adams is back at back where he started at Whitney. His, he became Vernon Adams of the Alouettes. It's, a, it's his first return since he took since he took over his starting quarterback. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I likes me some stand back back too. Right. Let's, uh, all right. Let's talk this last game. Wow. I think this is the most interesting uh, matchup of the week two for sure. Uh, here's Hamilton. Now a pick em. at Saskatchewan Rough Riders. <laughs> wow. Well, a lot of this is going to be about how much, how, how much was the real Ticats last game, especially in the second half. And how much was the real Riders team in the second half of their game? Uh, Ham- Again, this is a pick So not even the book is willing to, to make a, a pick on this game. Joe, you're going to have to fill out your CFL pick though. So who are you going to take? I'm taking Hamilton. Okay. Uh, they, uh, they know they got off on the wrong foot last week. Uh, their offense had things going early on and then just couldn't keep it together. I don't think Saskatchewan's defense is as the same caliber as Winnipeg's. I also don't, I still have 
my doubts and hesitations about them being able to put a full game together. And I think Hamilton's defense is going to be a much different beast than what BC's was, especially early on. So I don't think Saskatchewan gets out to a huge lead early and then can sit back. I think it's going to be a dogfight this whole game. And if Saskatchewan has a letdown at any point in this game, that's when Hamilton's going to strike. And that's going to be a big problem for them because I don't think Hamilton's defense is one you want to play comeback on. Hmm. Okay. All right. I like that. Tim, what do you think? I'm, I'm just going to give uh, uh, Saskatchewan the edge because of Ryderville. Jeez, for me, this is down to Fajardo, I think. I mean, because again, like, I, I, again, I felt that some of these offenses, especially Saskatchewan and Winnipeg, just left the playbook in the locker room at halftime. So I'm really looking for both of those teams to put together a full offensive game this week. Now, Hamilton, I don't know. Again, like, how much of that was the true colors of the Tiger Cats last week? Okay, so this is a pick em. All right, let's see. Joe, have we agreed on everything so far? Yeah, I think we have. So I guess I got to go against Joe. Right? So <laughs> I'll, I'll, go with, uh, I'll go with the writers. Yeah, sure, I'll take the writers. I think uh, here's, what, here's what I think, and this is kind of a Weasley Bay out of this. Okay, the over-under is 45 and a half. Okay, I think if that goes over the writers' Because I think that means it's a shootout. And I actually think for the first time in a long time that the Tiger Cats are a disadvantage in the shootout. Um, we'll see what Brandon Banks can do this week as opposed to last week. But again, I think he was a net negative. But uh, I, I really think that in a high-scoring game, Saskatchewan wins. Now, if it's low-scoring game, I think that's, that means the Riders can't get it good. And in defense versus defense, Hamilton's going to win even after last week. I can't imagine that they'll be as sluggish as they were last week. Because then that's really what killed the defense last week. So, in any case. All right. Hey, let's get out of here for the news right through. Tim, thanks for thanks for joining the show. Uh, you got any last thoughts for us? Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, do you want to listen to everything Alouettes? You can uh, check us out over at Alouette's Flight Deck. It's alouettesflightdeck.ca, or you can follow, follow me on Twitter at Repact. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. Okay, great. Are you Repact? Yes, great. yes, I am. All right. Yeah. Okay, Joe, where can people find you? And uh, give, us, give us some uh, high words of philosophy. Well, uh, just to grab one last thing before we get out of here, the CF Pod Network Fantasy League. Uh, I was actually able to beat uh, Travis Curra from the Two and Out podcast this week. So uh, proof positive that even Blind's girls do find acorns once in a while. <laughs> uh, I am facing uh, Superfan Mike from the Turf District this week. So we'll see if uh, I can get lucky again. That was a great win for you, Joe, and thanks for representing the Bruce White and Blue. I always say there are two events, two areas in which I will never bet against Travis Curra, and that's CFL fantasy football and competitive eating. I will never go against uh, Travis, but I don't know. Maybe next time he faces up against Joe in the, the CF Pod Network League, that's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have to consider betting on Joe. Let's see what the point spread is. Very case. rare. Can you actually take off a piece of his beard? So, <laughs> oh boy! Yeah. So now you're putting some pressure on me, and now I'm definitely screwed. Well, you, well, you beat Kura. Come on. I, if, you, yeah. if you look at it now, you know it, it's only seven and three quarters long <laughs> instead of eight. See, I'm not sure that's a good thing. Do we want Travis' beard to disappear? Do we do we want it to go away? Yeah, see? No, 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 we don't. We do want to beat him in fantasy football, but <laughs> it'll be a shame to see that majestic growth get trimmed if back. If he shows up a great cup with no beard. Oh, my God. What about he'll be cold? <laughs> Nobody will know who he is. Yeah, no joke. Well, if he, laugh. If, if, he laugh. Does, if he does the eating contest, yeah, they'll mm -hmm. know. And if they see a very large man just crying at the drop of a hat, they'll probably also figure it's 
Travis Gura as well. In any case, uh, let's get out of here for the Rouge, White, and Blue for my co-host, Joe Pritchard, for our special guest, Tim Capper. I am Oz Davis. This has been the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL podcast. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.